0: Welcome to The Not Last Podcast, Season 1, Episode 10. I'm your host, Andrew Neil Nunez. Today's topic is titled, The Art of Perseverance. Incredible feats of human performance that have come out of failure. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Greetings and welcome to The Not Last Podcast. We're going to start, as we always do, with a little bit of an update. Uh, I just took a week off of work Did a big block of training during that time. um, Got very tired and very sore, but felt really good to get uh, almost twenty hours of training in in five days. So that was that was nice. Um, The Chilean National Road and Time Trial Championship dates have been posted for the beginning of April. So that gives me finally, finally a target. So about six months out. And I guess this is where, this is where the uh, the work starts to get put in, and and these harder training sessions will be on the docket from my coach. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to the hard work. Looking forward to having a goal again in mind. My hope is to try and go down there sometime middle of March, maybe beginning middle of March to kind of acclimate, get used to the training down there, and then um, be ready for April. We'll see how how work and life happens, but um, I am hopeful that I can travel out of the country by then and probably travel on my Chilean passport instead of my American one, because if you live in the US, you are unable to leave the country. So that's really cool, but uh, we're going to try and circumvent that. So as I'm recording this, it is six o'clock in the morning My vacation ends at 9.45 a.m. when I have to go back to work and start the grind again. Um, I read a quote this morning that was very inspiring, and it was uh, something to the effect, I didn't have my glasses on, so I had to squint as I uh, looked at my phone this morning, but uh, it was something to the effect of, if motivation gets you out of bed, habit is what keeps you doing it over and over again. And I think my body is ready to get back into this habit of up at 5, usually train at 6, 6 to 8 train, then eat breakfast and then start work. So here we are. It's 6:04 in the morning and we are we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing it. So we're going to talk today about the art of perseverance. If you were to type in and I did this last night, if you Google perseverance in sport, you get a litany of athletes. Runners who broke their foot and then came back and won two gold medals. People who got knocked out in a fight and came back and 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 won the championship. NASCAR racers who the guy crashed really bad and broke his leg and came back and won the title. Um, footballers baseball players, golfers you name it there is a litany of athletes who who have exemplified this art of perseverance. I think that is a a key component of a good athlete is to be able to persevere. So the story I'm going to share with you you may have heard before uh, you probably have but um, it's so good that it's worth sharing again. So in 2013, A woman named Diana Nyad, at the time she was 64 years old, she swam unsupported from Cuba to Florida. It's about 111 miles, took her 53 hours. Think about that. 53 hours in the water, unsupported. She, of course, as most great athletes do, has a mantra or had a mantra, and it was find a way. And this, this feat took her five attempts. She failed four other times to try and do this. Now, this isn't like get in the pool and swim for a while. This is full-on open ocean swimming. It's from Cuba to Florida. This is... I'm, I'm not a swimmer. Let me preface with that. But, but even if you're not, you can appreciate that she spent 53 hours in the open ocean, swimming from point to point. So she had a target. She was determined, come hell or high water, that she was going to reach this. I was reading up on her Wikipedia page. On her, She has written several books. I'll link to her NPR news story uh, in the show notes. You can check it out. She is worth looking up. Um, but to give you an example she had to fight against box jellyfish, some of the most deadly, venomous jellyfish in the world, of which she didn't just, like, avoid. She got stung by them nine times in one instance. So on her fourth attempt, she got stung nine times by a box jellyfish. She swam through two storms, like ocean storms. Yeah. Yeah pretty freaking rad so that and that was her fourth attempt she got stung nine times swam through two storms she was suffering respiratory system failure from her in her from her nervous system because of the jellyfish stings and was like yeah i guess i should call it quits this time like that's when you decide to stop (laughs) man so okay so that was four On her fifth time, she wore a protective jellyfish suit, mask, and booties. She had, um, oh, and she had to battle sharks. And not just any sharks. These super aggressive, um, white-tipped sharks. She had a big support crew, between 20 and 30 people. And they would, you know, one guy would follow in a kayak and had this um, shark-protecting, like, electrical field... Pulse that would send out uh, around her, so she wasn't allowed to swim supported, where no one could touch her. She couldn't like lean on a boat or anything like that. Again, for fifty-three hours, she was not. She was floating in the water. No one could help her. They could hand her food, they could you know um, give her new goggles or or whatnot, but she couldn't rest on the boat. She couldn't do anything. Uh, She had a lead. Boat that had a string of um, or a white flag that would kind of dangle in the water, similar to like when she's swimming in a lane that would kind of guide her so she wouldn't veer too off course. Her first and second attempt, she veered off course so much due to the storms and and the currents that um, she couldn't make her way back. She physically couldn't make her way back. Like this woman is incredible. Let me remind you, she's not some twenty something either. She did this at sixty-four years old in twenty thirteen. Whew. That's a lot. Sixty-four years old. She said, I want to prove to people that anyone can do th- can do this, that anyone can can achieve a goal, and I'm not done yet. Like, whoa, okay. Yeah, you you win <laughs> you win the inspiration story. You win the the perseverance story four times you failed at this and on the fifth time you were like yeah i'm gonna do this one of her support crew told her she was hallucinating throughout throughout a lot of this she was suffering or trying to fight against you know not only the sharks and storms and jellyfish stings but the dehydration the malnutrition the hypothermia trying to maintain core body temperature throughout uh being through through being in the water for that long it's just crazy Um, but she was hallucinating as well and she said at one point swimming uh, as she was swimming she would look down and see the yellow brick road from the Wizard of Oz and she wouldn't see like the Tin Man or Dorothy but she saw the seven dwarfs and they were just kind of hiking or walking along on the yellow brick road underneath her just kind of guiding her along and she just swam with that for several hours so the hallucinations were real um, and at one point she had swam through the night through her first night and was going through, uh, a tough time as I'm sure she went through some very tough times and she was going into her second night and she was really struggling. She was trying hard to keep food down. She said she was vomiting into her, into her mask and they would give her like bits of banana just to try and recover. They would try and give her some water, and she just couldn't keep anything down. And um, weird to think about the fact that you are swimming, but you are dehydrated at the same time. That conceptually, it makes sense that you have to hydrate. But um, the thought of drinking water while in water is, is uh, kind of strange. Again, I'm not a swimmer, and I don't pretend to be. I don't really want to be. I will never be a triathlete. And uh, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I do one sport pretty well, rather than three sports that yeah okay at. Um, so anywho, she was trying to keep things down. She kept throwing up. She couldn't maintain you know uh, keep anything in in her body, and she was waiting for. Uh, she swam through all through the night on her second night, and uh, saw. What she thought, or as her her um, her helper was telling her that that she saw the sunrise. She's like, "Oh, I'm so cold. I can't wait for the sun to rise up and um, and and warm me, and and I will keep swimming through the day." And that's enough motivation. And her helper said, "No, that's not the sun rising. Those are the lights to Key West." She's like, "Oh my God, I'm I'm that close. I can see the city lights. I'm still several hours out, but." okay and and it was like that was it she put her, her goggles on and and just just chugged away just got it done 53 hours in the water 111 miles 64 years old um yeah so let's talk about <laughs> failure and someone who had failed not just one time but four times on this massive effort she was already a, a premier long distance swimmer um of her generation and I guess of multiple generations, if if you will. And she said, no, that's not enough. I want this. I can do this. I will do this. And she did. She found a way. That was that was her mantra going into that that final attempt was find a way. Make it happen. So if that's not motivation for you, <laughs> Uh, man, I I don't know what is, but but there you go. I'll I'll link to the NPR article in in the show notes. But Diana Nyad, sixty four years old, Cuba to Florida, just amazing. So another one that comes to mind is uh, perseverance, not necessarily through failure, but through just sheer willpower and borderline on determination I mean all of this is determination that you you're going to keep going you're determined but acting on it and pushing through these difficult times those really difficult times that's the perseverance right so the other one I think about is is Ironman Kona and I like I respect (laughs) triathlons triathletes Um, I, I have many friends who are triathletes and that is great that is not my discipline, and that is okay. But um, Ironman Kona is one that I do like to watch. Uh, I don't ever want to go participate, <laughs> unless it was a relay event where I can only do the bike. But um, you know, I, I like to watch it uh, on the YouTube, or watch recaps on the YouTube. And my favorite bit again, it goes back to what I've said in earlier episodes of like, there's always a winner. It's usually a pro or there's some upset of like semi pro athlete who comes out of, you know, seemingly out of nowhere, but he's been kind of in the shadows the whole time, or she's been in the shadows the whole time. And there, there's always those stories, especially it comes out in these ultra endurance events. But it's that triathlete or that athlete that barely makes it in. 17 hours is the hard cutoff where you're not, where you won't be listed as an official um, uh, uh, at, at official completion of of Ironman, of an Ironman event or Challenge Sports, I think is the the name of the group that that puts on these events. So, um, yeah, if you're outside of 17 hours, you're not listed and in, in the results page. But the the officials on on the course have kind of a judgment call to make where they're not out to destroy your dreams um they they if you look like you're you're biking okay but you're outside the cutoff and you're you know you're reasonably close they'll let you keep going if you enter into the marathon and and you're not um a safety concern for your health and safety or for others in their health and safety like they'll let you finish if you're two minutes out no big deal if you're 10 minutes out yeah maybe maybe not but but if you if you look to be okay and, and you're just running behind uh literally <laughs> if you're running behind um that's they'll, they'll let you finish. but for those who squeak in just before, this is again the the Indiana Jones scenario where the the gate is closing and his hat is cut on is caught on the other side of the of the door and he reaches in at the last minute and swoops his hat out or grabs the treasure and, and, and escapes with his life. But that's, that's where I find the motivation and the inspiration. Those are my favorite stories to hear about. My favorite bits to watch is, is the, the last triathlete finishers. These people, I mean, to compete in an Ironman, um, you know, especially like Kona, this isn't just any Ironman. This isn't, um, you know your your local circuit. This is this is a pretty big deal. The qualifying events you have to do. Typically, these athletes have to put in you know fifteen to thirty hours a week, depending upon you know uh, what their what their requirements are, what their body needs are, and what kind of volume they can sustain. And so, to do that day in and day out, sacrifice so much from their friends and their loved ones and their family and their work. Um, just to barely finish within the cutoff—that's that's huge. Um, that's inspiration. Uh, there's some great videos that you can watch talking about you know kind of the human interest. They they build it as a human interest piece, and it is. Um, but I wish they would build it more as an uh, a deep inspirational piece, moreover than than oh this person like suffered through trauma and and went on through and and finally got it and it's like yes. But I wish they would paint it in the lens of this is deeply inspiring instead of, wow, uh, look at this, like, you know, oh, take pity on this person. Anywho, that's, that's my own two cents. But I find it really inspiring to see these, these Ironman finishers um, just looking for the honor of participating and saying that they completed Kona, that they were a competitor at Kona. You race the same course, everything is identical, Level playing field, um, you just take a lot longer, but you're going to finish, and it's that determination that that you can get it done, and that I will get it done. I'll crawl myself across the line to make it happen. And some people do. Um, the videos are are incredible, so uh, check them out. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them anywhere. Um, Is the the Ironman finishers right before the cutoff? So it was May of 2018. I was coming into peak form, looking really good, going into my twenty eighteen racing season. We have our local Tuesday night time trial series, a um, little flat, fast fifteen mile uh, TT loop. About a week before the the Tuesday night race, I received my um, custom made dream uh, dream bike, my my TT superbike, my English Cycles TT bike. Um, I was itching. I was absolutely itching to get this thing out on the race course and dial it in. Um, the week before, I was feeling really good. I I set a new PB, and was the legs were coming along nicely. So, so here we go. Got the new TT bike. We were going to take it out, and I knew this course. I've raced this course for over a decade. I could race it blindfolded. Um. Let me let me start like this. Let me walk you through my mental prep for this race. Warm-up done. You're at the start line. Clip in. Someone holds your bike. The course is short and you have to get up to speed fast. There's trees that shield the headwind that's about to hit you hard, so go now hard and settle in before you're exposed. Three, two, one. Sweeping right hand corner. Watch the pothole just before the apex. Don't hug the white line too close. Pavement changes just around the corner. There's a slight rise. You want to let up off the gas, but don't. Push. Push over the top and hold your speed. Then, straight on till morning. It's a headwind now 15 miles. That's 5 miles every 10 minutes. You have to go 30 miles an hour. Lap chime goes off for the first 5 miles. Glance down, see where you're at. Too fast, you won't make it to the end. Too slow, you're already losing ground. 9 minutes, 55 seconds. Good. Hold steady. 30 miles per hour, 90 degree, right hand corner. Brake hard. Swing wide, cut in. Apex the line. Stand and accelerate hard. Your gear is going to feel insurmountable, but you've got to burn that match and get back on top of it. Tuck back in. Let's go. Headwind turns to a crosswind from the left. Hug tight to the right of the road. That's where the houses are. Hopefully they'll give you some respite. Churn up the air a little. Sweeping right-hand corner, followed by a sweeping left. Keep the speed up. Quick glance over the shoulder. No cars. Hug the yellow line. Apex the turn. Stay tucked. Watch for loose gravel. Look up. Final right-hand turn coming up. There's a flagger on the left, so no need to look that way. Brake hard, swing wide, cut in. It's ever so off-camber, so watch yourself. All good. Tuck in, back up to speed. 30 miles per hour. Second 5-mile chime goes off. 10.02. Good. Let's empty the tank. Crosswind turns to tailwind. Think small thoughts. 5 miles, 10 minutes or less to the finish. Hold on. Up to 30 miles per hour. 31? Yeah. 32? Uh, okay. Slight right turn. Slight left turn. Lose a little speed. Get back up to 30. Okay, hold this. 31? Yeah. More? Uh, I'll try. No potholes. Hug the line. Watch for other racers, because you'll probably be passing them now. Head down. Push. 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 Stay on top of that gear. 25 minutes down. This is when the lactic buffering starts to fail. The stinging, the burning creeps into your lungs. Complete and utter tunnel vision. You have so much sweat you can hardly see through your visor. Keep going. Think small thoughts. Big oak tree. Big oak tree. Big oak tree. Big oak tree. (sighs) Where's my tree? There, up ahead the big oak tree time to empty the tank and hold to the finish two minutes or less 1k gone 500 meters gone 200 50 put your head down push you can't stand a sprint you can't come out of your tuck all of that will lose time be small be quick cross the line keep breathing keep breathing keep pedaling keep pedaling Keep going. 30 to 45 seconds later, gather yourself. Heart rate comes down. The burning eases off a little bit. Now you're just dealing with pursuers' cough. That was okay. 31 minutes and change? Yeah, I lost a little coming in, but not bad. Better luck next week overall, pretty good. That is every Tuesday in May for more than a decade. I know this course. I love this course. I train on this course. I race on this course. It is the Time Trial Specialists course. Raw, pretty darn flat, fast, prevailing winds. You have to pace this right. I love this course. Tuesday, May 22nd, 2018. First right-hand turn, 30 miles per hour. Brake hard, swing wide, cut in, apex the line. Caught a patch of ground from a newly patched piece of asphalt. Grabbed my front tire, threw me on the ground. Too fast to know what happened. I try to get up, but can't. Weird. Weird. Let's try that again. Nope. Can't get up. Quick check in from all body systems. Seems reasonable after what happened. Hit my head. Still can't get up. Something's wrong. Uh oh. Eventually, get myself together and into the car. Lauren drives me to the hospital. I'm pretty bloody. My head hurts. But my hips hurt. It was weird. I'm in a lot of pain, but I really can't quite work out what's going on or what's wrong. The nurse brings out a wheelchair. They put me into it. After an x-ray and a CT scan, the doctor didn't believe me, so he asked me a second time, how did I get here? Did the ambulance take you? I said no, I got in the car and my wife drove me to the hospital. He says, with a broken pelvis and a major concussion? (laughs) Yeah, my helmet was shattered. Only the plastic shell was keeping the foam together. It was like a jigsaw puzzle. After a rough night in the ER, doctors were ready to clear me and send me home. They got me up to try and stand, had me walk around a bit. We found that I had no use of my left leg, it wouldn't respond. Huh. Okay. Quick internal systems check. Everything seems okay. I tell my brain again. Okay, brain, tell my left leg to move. Nothing. Well, back in bed. Time for more tests. 3 days later my leg came back. The massive amount of swelling and bruising pinched off the nerves and wasn't allowing my leg to to respond. Kind of scary not using a body part for about three days. Not knowing if it was going to play nice and work like the rest of the body it's supposed to. Fortunately, it did. I'm finally home and starting the long road to recovery. I knew I was going to have to heal quick, at least to the point where I could go back to work, because I didn't have that much sick time left to use. I didn't have much to begin with anyway. Finally, with a cane, and probably sooner than I should have, I was back at work a week later. Pelvis still broken, head still a bit foggy, but I muddled my way back to work. Physically, I knew my body would heal. I hadn't done this this before, but I'd broken bones before. I didn't see any specialized sports physical therapist or anything, just the one provided to me by the hospital. It was funny because they'd never worked with a cyclist before and were a little perplexed by how disproportionate my body was. They wanted to build my arms up, and I said, well, that's that's not why we're here. We're here to get me walking again without a cane. Uh, But they were perplexed at my tiny little arms and my tree trunks for legs. Uh, There were a few sports physical therapists in town, but they were out of network and out of the financial picture. Mentally, though... I was struggling. This wasn't the first big concussion I've suffered. Hopefully, it will be the last. But again, I never saw anyone specifically for this. I probably should have, but they were at a network. I've always struggled with some long-term memory loss from an early childhood accident. Uh, I can't remember much from anything from my childhood to really before my junior year of high school. Uh, A lot of it's really, really foggy. I can't just recall memories back from that time. But this accident felt different uh, and still has some lingering effects. For example, when I'm stressed, I find I can't process numbers and words are hard to find. Everything just goes a little foggy. Unintentionally, I recently found I can't unscramble words. Like in in a word scramble in those puzzles... I used to be able to do that, but I can't anymore. I can look at the words and nothing happens. I can't reorganize them in my head. It it doesn't function anymore. So I've noticed little things like that here and there. Slowly but surely, and 20 intense recovery weeks later, September 30th, 2018, Lauren and I loaded up the car and drove down to Ashland, Oregon, to compete in the Mount Ashland Hill Climb State Uphill Championships. I needed a target. This was it. Last time I did this race, I had some bad coffee in the morning and had a violently upset stomach for the whole race, so there was a bit of redemption, also a lot to prove to myself, and a state title on the line. I brought my own coffee this time and controlled as many variables as I could. My pre-race checklist checked out. I told myself I'd give everything to this, and whatever happens, happens. This was simply a line in the sand. I have lost ground, I knew that, but let's see where I'm I'm at. I lost contact with the main group, the lead group, about halfway up the climb, but kept pushing, and in my head, stay on target was my mantra the whole way up. I caught a handful of riders, dropped them, and continued upward. I ended up taking the win in my category and thought, well, that's a pretty good line in the sand. I was in a pretty dark place for most of my recovery. Some days better than others, Lauren tried hard to keep me distracted, but I was circling the drain, and I wanted so desperately to get back to training and racing, but feared this might be the end. One of my favorite bike racers, I always looked up to him, Uh, when I first started as a rider, is a a Luxembourg pair of brothers, Andy and Frank Schleck. Andy was my favorite, is my favorite. He was a monster on the bike. He and his brother would dance on the pedals as they would climb and attack these, and, and force these violent, vicious, just monstrous attacks, um, to their, to their rivals on these massive, you know, Alps, uh, in in France and the tour. Andy won the tour once. He was a runner-up a couple times. Um, But at the pinnacle of his career, Andy suffered a crash and broke his back. And he never really made a full recovery or a comeback into pro cycling. I was so gutted for him to kind of see him fall from glory. He was so good. Um, And I fear this might be the end of my journey. But... After the hill climb, I felt like I was on the right trajectory, at least. For almost that next year, I still had lingering effects and soreness. After hard sessions or sitting too long in a hard seat, I'd, I'd be in pain. I've, I've now either learned to deal with it, or it's fully recovered, uh, just over two years on. But it's been a slow and difficult process to still have this lingering, nagging little little thing in the back. (laughs) Literally in the back. I like to think I'm tough. Like, tough as nails. Sometimes, oftentimes, it's really not the case. But what I can do is persevere. I've worked garbage jobs. I've done difficult things. Recovered from I can't tell you how many broken bones. But I'll get through this. One deep breath at a time, I will get through this. I will leave you with these three reflections. First, think back to when you struggled in the past, and ask yourself, how did I get through it? Second, whatever your current struggle is, know that you are strong enough to get through it. My mom always tells me, this too shall pass. And like most moms, she's right. Finally, take inventory of your mental toolbox. Make sure you're using everything that you have. If you're out of options, don't be afraid to reach out. We all need a little extra help sometimes. It is not a sign of weakness for doing so. Sylvie, do you want to say Hello? Do you have anything to say? Anything else to say? What else? Okay, anything else? And with that, until next week, stay on target. Thanks for tuning in to the Not Last Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop weekly. Follow us on Instagram at NotLast_Podcast. underscore podcast. This podcast is produced solely by me. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell your friends. Music for this podcast is generously permitted by the illustrious Flemingosis. My amazing artwork was created by the extremely talented Paige Anochi Bar. Give them a follow and be sure to support local artists. You can find and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, and Stitcher podcasts. Coming up next, I'm talking about something lighthearted, uplifting, and happy. Because 2020 is a trash fire. I'm excited you're here, and I hope you'll come back soon.